From Sector 001 in the Alpha Quadrant, this is the Omega Directive, a Star Trek podcast. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Welcome again to the Omega Directive. I'm still your host, Steve Atwell. Joining me today is my is my uh, friend Kevin, also known as Doctor Guy K S. That's uh, capital D R G U Y K S. And he's going to be my new co-host on the program. So, Hi, Kevin. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Hi. Yeah. So we met actually a few years ago at a Doctor Who fan club convention locally. Yeah. And uh, we've run into each other a few times, and most recently at a uh, meeting of Star Trek fan club. Right. And uh, let's say I've been kicking around wanting to get a co-host, and you seem amenable. So Thank you. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Please uh, tell me and anyone listening a bit about yourself and how you came into being a Star Trek fan and all that good noise? Well, um, technically my first exposure to Star Trek came back in 1986, I believe it was, or yeah, 1987, when Star Trek The Next Generation first premiered. Um, And the first memory I have of it, I didn't know anything. I just knew that there were giant tentacles on the screen and they were holding hands, and I think I even saw a giant jellyfish. So later, it took me like 10 years to find out that that was Encounter at Farpoint, um, which I, I didn't know at the time. I, I caught the last few seconds of it, or the last couple of minutes of the episode, before it went to credits. And um, uh, so, yeah, it was the uh, last few minutes of the episode that I saw and um I, I i didn't know anything else so my second exposure actually came i believe in the th- third grade to fifth grade somewhere in there when i started watching star trek next generation on a regular basis and um i don't remember what the first episode after encounter at farpoint was Uh, But I started watching it frequently with The Next Generation, and I fell in love with it. And the reason I fell in love with it is because it represents goodness and hope and compassion, which were actually the framework for my uh, my moral system. And, you know, I didn't pick I didn't know that until later, obviously, when I started analyzing my life for a college uh, writing assignment that I had. But um so basically, for me, my morals came and were rather guided by Star Trek and the Next Generation. I don't say they came from Star Trek because my first set of morals and beliefs actually came from fairy tales. But Star Trek guided them. They set up the framework. I liken it to building a house. You know, the fairy tales laid the foundation. The f- Star Trek put in the framework and then the furniture and interior decorating was done by Doctor Who and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So those are my uh, four major fandoms right there. Well, that's cool. Oh, hey, and chat a bit. Of, I, I, I want to chat a bit for the listeners about 
this podcast and what I plan to do with it and all. One of the things I should like to accomplish with having a a, a partner on this show, co-host, is maybe figuring out a few things, like how to set up a new website, because I'd like to have mm-hmm. an actual website for the show. Because I have mm-hmm. a Facebook page, but I can't figure out how to do everything with it that I want to do, and I'm not sure that I can on Facebook. But I uh, have... I can try and help you out as much as I possibly can with that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I actually have a Facebook page that I've tried to set up myself, and it still gets views even now. It's just not very active. Um, I call it Halloween Caroling. Um, Do you want me to go into that, or should we just gloss right over that and keep it on Star Trek? Oh, we can worry about that uh, at a future date. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, with your Star Trek, with your fandoms in general, um, what have you done with it all? I mean, uh, I know uh, you're a cosplayer. I've done a little bit of cosplaying, and I've kind of veered away from that. I'm not as passionate as I used to be when I first started doing it. Uh, Let's see, fandom-wise. Well, in video games, I've made a few things. I, I used to play The Sims 3, And I would make buildings centered around Star Trek. So I had a few plans to make Starfleet Academy because that's one of the things about The Sims is you can build different buildings and use different characters. And they can be famous characters or they can just be random characters. So I um, I know that in Sims you can do Star Trek characters. Right, exactly. So anyway, I made I was I tasked myself at one point with making different Star Trek venues. So I would have Starfleet Academy and uh, let's see what else. Uh, oh gosh, uh, the Starfleet com- headquarters, you know, which is different from the academy in my opinion. Although they might be one and the same, I'm not sure. But you know, I made Starfleet Command. I made Starfleet Academy. Um, I was going to work on a couple of others, and then I, I stopped playing The Sims in favor for Star Trek Online. But I did have, in the way of fandom, going into general fandom, I did task myself at one point. Uh, it was over the summer of, I want to say it was 2011, 2012. I made the town of Sunnydale. Uh, I spent about two weeks looking for the official map because they have made an official map. And we'll get to the Star Trek aspect here in just a minute. So for two weeks, I spent scouring the Internet looking for maps of Sunnydale. And I finally found someone, a website, with the official map. So I went through and I made the official map into The Sims 3. It's still up on the exchange right now, uh, which is their venue for, you know, exchanging uh, different lots people have made and different things people have made. And I put it up there, so it's still there and still available with my gamer tag for what it's worth, and people can still download it. Now, the Star Trek aspect comes into play. I populated the town with all of my favorite characters from different fandoms. So one house had the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. Another house had the cast of Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, and the like. I even think I found some—I even think, I, if I remember correctly, I found some of the— TOS characters to throw in there as well. So, you know, my town of Sunnydale was populated exclusively by my fandom characters and nobody ever died in my town because I made it so, you know, there's different things you can click on to keep people from dying and stuff. So 
in my mind, nobody ever, none of my fandoms ever left me, and all my characters are still there and alive and happy and stuff. Shall I tell you of the random Star Trek related stuff that happened that that took place? Um, yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay. Um, let's see here. I this is the only thing I can remember. Um, I went to one of my friends place for Thanksgiving weekend. I think it was the fall of 2011 and I was staying in his place and he was a magic, the gathering judge at the time. Uh, he and I don't speak anymore. And I sat there and I was playing my game. I loaded up my game. I loaded up the town of Sunnydale and all of my characters were there. And one of the characters, I think it was Dr. Flocks, invited my household as well as several households together for a dinner party in the game. And I get there and I pause the game for some reason. I can't remember why. And I put my mouse over one of the characters. Um, now, when your mouse goes over a character, it tells you the character's name and what their celebrity status in the game was, because that's one of the different aspects of the game that you can purchase separately. Um, I had all the expansion packs up until that time, and I still have all the expansion packs from that game. Anyway, so I put, I paused the game. My mouse is hovering over what is supposed to be Commander Worf. Um, he didn't look super clean on. He was still human. He didn't have the facial ridges or anything, for what it's worth. And I noticed something, and I, I thought that was kind of odd. At first, I thought it was a glitch of what had happened. His name had been changed. And I thought that was kind of weird. And then it dawned on me. And the game had randomly, again, this is totally random, assigned Worf and Picard to get married with one another. And I was like, holy Hera. And I scream out at the top of my lungs, probably not literally screaming, but I, you know, I talk loudly and I'm like, oh my gosh, Commander Worf and, and Captain Picard have just gotten married. And all of a sudden, the gaming group that is at the other end of the table, who were doing a role play, stopped, looked at me, completely mystified. And they're like, one of the girls started shouting, break them up, break them up, make them break up. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And she was all like, but it's kind of weird. And one of the other people said, well, I wonder who the top is in that relationship. So, yeah. That was kind of an interesting story that happened in The Sims 3. A lot of random stuff happened, and that was the one of the more Star Trek random pieces of, of you know, stuff that took place. Uh, wow. Yeah, the game randomly... Yeah, the game randomly... Wow. Yeah, so it kind of makes me wonder if Troy and Crusher weren't in the series, would they have, you know, started dating or something? Because, you know, was it based upon personality or was it just something random that the computer did in its coding? Um, I would like to think it was probably based upon personality because the game actually allows you to create each sim with its own unique personality. Well, you never know. Right, exactly. Um, so have you been to any uh, big deal Star Trek conventions or taken any field trips to any like big deal Star Trek uh, happenings elsewhere in the country or around the world? Mm, I have not. I have not been afforded the luxury of that much money. I should probably, I know I should save money to do it, but at the same time, I kind of want to get to that point where I'm financially stable in my life 
and be able to afford it without worrying about too much about money. I could probably do it now, but you know, I've got to save for uh, different things. My car broke down and I'm having to use another car and I'm saving to purchase it. So it's kind of a lease to own option there. Um, Star Trek wise, exclusive Star Trek conventions. The last one I attended was around, I think about a month or two before Deep Space Nine came to the, uh, came into our TVs. Uh, I went to see Will Wheaton uh, downtown in downtown Kansas City, uh, just outside of Bartle Hall. I don't remember when Bartle Hall was constructed, if it was before I was born or after I was born. But I went to the theater that's near Bartle Hall and I went to see him. And the 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 convention had a small circuit of merchandise sales. And I bought a couple of things. I bought a deck of Deep Space Nine trading cards that were all centered around the first episode. And I don't have those trading cards anymore, interestingly. But at the time, it was my it was my earliest experience, one of my earliest experiences with Star Trek. So I had just picked up on the next generation a couple of years before that. So my dad and I, we went out and we did that. And I got his autograph. I still have Will Wheaton's autograph. And that was my first Star Trek convention and honestly my last devoted one. Uh, since then, I've done Planet Comic Con uh, here in Kansas City. I did it uh, a couple of years ago when the cast of Next Generation showed up. Everyone, but I think Patrick Stewart did that, or Sir Patrick Stewart did that, but I went and I got to meet Gates McFadden. I got her autograph. I should have gotten everyone's autograph, but Gates McFadden for me uh, was a huge influence in my life growing up as a kid. She uh, was the only redhead, I myself being a redhead, she was the only redhead on TV at the time, at least from my perspective. So her words were, as Dr. Crusher, were almost gospel for me. I didn't know Ron Howard was a redhead until much later in my life when I was a teenager in high school. But Dr. Crusher, I could see, was in color, and she was a redhead herself. So, you know, her words, as well as the rest of the crew of The Next Generation, were her guiding influence in my life. Okay, yeah, I just want to say for the listeners that, yes, you are uh, rather a bit younger than I am. Um, you're born in the mid '80s, is that correct? I was born actually in the '80s, 1982. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, Bartle Hall's been around for quite a while. Um, but okay. uh, so uh, yeah, you grew up with the Next Generation. Have you mm-hmm. uh, been to any uh, made made a pilgrimage to anything any of your other um, fandoms to go see anything? My pilgrimages don't. Uh, weren't and haven't yet to be centered around my fandoms. That being said, I was offered a temp position with the Hostess Baking Company right before they went under. I went out to California and I did some auditing work. While I was out there, in between getting food sickness and stuff like that, because I just had the bad luck at the time of getting a different food sickness each weekend, I was able to manage to go out to San Francisco. And what surprised me the most is there was like zero Star Trek stuff out there, at least in the portion that I went to. 
I would assume that at some point, you know, the Roddenberries or someone would have put some sort of monument to Star Trek because Starfleet headquarters and Starfleet Academy are out in San Francisco in the story. So I thought maybe they would have done something like that because if you go to Salem, Massachusetts, they have all this witch memorabilia. And at one point they even had a, an Elizabeth Montgomery statue of, Oh, I can't think of what her character name is right now. Samantha Stevens. That's it. Samantha Stevens. Uh, they had a statue of her uh, that they released um, back in 2005, right around the time that the movie was being released. And um, I don't know if the statue is still there or not, but they put up a statue in her honor. And um, I thought they would have done something similar in San Francisco, and they haven't. And I'm kind of been bummed about that. Yeah, um, for those who don't know, uh, Kevin's referring to a character from a television show called Bewitched, which mm-hmm. um, aired uh, uh, about the time that I was uh, being born and all, and was mm-hmm. made into a feature film in the uh, some few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I just uh, people who listen might not know my whole story, my whole background, and everything. So I thought that this would be a good opportunity to talk a bit about that as well. Um, okay. I was born in the late '60s. Um, the uh, next generation came along when I was in college. I grew up every single, and I've, I've mentioned this before in passing, mm. but as a kid growing up in the 70s here in the KC area, the afternoon block, come home from school or whatever, turn on the TV from 2.30, or from 2 to 2, from 3 o'clock, back-to-back episodes of Batman. From 3 to 4 was uh, uh, reruns of Lost in Space, and from 4 to 5 was reruns of Star Trek. And I mean, the original series, because pretty much that's all there was. I do remember watching the animated series first, though, in its original run. But the original Star Trek series was on pretty much every single day throughout the uh, 70s, 80s, and into the 90s. And both of my parents were Trekkies and sci-fi fans in general. And even though they uh, got divorced when I was five, I think, still I have distinct memories of watching Star Trek. With both of them together, as well as uh, uh, apart, you know, being over at Dad's house or at home. And, um, I mean, it wasn't like you must sit down and watch. It's just this is what the folks are watching, so you watch with them. And uh, after a while, like, I liked this, you know, as a child, and let's just keep watching it. And there was a time when um, and my brother and I would be, like, at preschool or whatever, or being babysat by someone, and... Mom would pick us up after she got off work and we'd be like, please, Mom, don't show up until Star Trek's over. Please, just uh, give us another ten minutes. Just don't show up that early. We need to know what's going to happen in the end. But, uh, so, I, I've been a, a general sci-fi fan my entire life. And there was some great stuff that we got to watch back, the, back in the day that I won't go into necessarily right now. But, yeah, Star Trek... Um, when I was really, really young, Star Trek, Batman, and James Bond were my great passions. That was the early 70s. And then the $6 million man came along, and then Star Wars came along, and uh, Battlestar Galactica, and, you know, comic book uh, cartoons that were on, reruns from the stuff from the 60s, and the Super Friends came on in the 70s. And um, when I was 13, I discovered something called Doctor Who. 
and I was actually first exposed to Doctor Who through a Marvel comic book. And when it uh, was cha- when I discovered that they were running a TV show of Doctor Who, I was all excited and delighted to stay up and watch it because it was Friday nights on the local PBS affiliate at 10:30. And I didn't realize it, but they were um, sharing. They called them Doctor Who movies, and they were taking full a story from the series and putting it all into one episode because in the UK they would show like 15, 20 minute episodes and like a half a dozen or so would make up a full story arc. So they were showing the full story arcs an hour and a half usually every week. And the first episode I got to watch Doctor Doctor Who was called Robot and it was the first appearance of Tom Baker as the fourth Doctor. And I was right. And I still am. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, he set the bar for what, what the doctor is supposed to be about. And watching a documentary about it, he was saying his approach to the doctor, the thing he did different, he said, this guy is an alien. He's not going to fit into normal, you know, to Earth and won't fully understand social norms. And to me as a kid, it's like, exactly. My family's poor. I'm weird. I'm awkward anyway. I'm not going to fit in, so I should say screw him. And not try to fit in and just do my own thing anyway. Yeah. And that's what I've always done. As for um, making pilgrimage and such, I have managed to uh, explore the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 1986, there was a traveling Doctor Who exhibition. They went across the U.S. and came to Kansas City. And uh, I went to that with my dad. And I have, in the early 90s, went to Disneyland and rode the uh, Star Tours ride at the time. So I've uh, flown through the Star Wars galaxy. And uh, I, in 98, I went to Vegas uh, just after they had opened the Star Trek experience. So I stood on the bridge of the Enterprise-D. So I have traveled far and wide from my fandom. And, nice. Uh, I keep running into Klingons. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a little, back in 77, as a promotional thing, when they had opened the very first Walmart outside of Arkansas in uh, Springfield, Missouri, they did a big grand opening and had Darth Vader on hand signing autographs. And Lucasfilm actually had, I don't know who, it wasn't uh, David Prowse, but they had the actual suit that was worn in the film, you know, with an actor inside signing autographs and still photos from the movie, promo cards. Right. I met Darth Vader, the Darth Vader. But it's the idea of, like, Halloween having Klingons come into the pizza place. I was working in the early 90s. And at another pizza place, having a Klingon show up one day, he said he's on his way to his kids' show and tell because this is what he does as his hobby. And then going to the first ever international Star Wars convention in Denver in 99 and having Klingons show up and crash it. <laughs> and Yeah. When I went to the uh, uh, premiere of Star Trek Generations and the whole front row was Klingons. Yeah. It just helped spark my, my appreciation for the Klingons and for wanting to become one myself. And uh, my brother pointed out, look at yourself in the mirror. You're a natural born Klingon. So that's what yeah. I've embraced recently. Anyway, so uh, that's a bit about us. And I want to say something about what this show is about, really, because I haven't really done that, and what I hope to do with it in the future. Because I started this program on my own, because I've been wanting to do a show, a general purpose program, talking about nerdish stuff, 
and I was wanting to call it nerd cred. And I was thinking yeah. about interviewing people who were nerds or had nerdish connections to find out about them and their uh, whatevers. And I realized I don't really know that many people who are connected to much of anything except Star Trek. Yeah. So I decided to go ahead and do a Star Trek podcast. So there are a ton of Star Trek podcasts available out there in the world. There are, I'm sure of it. Yeah. There are only maybe half a dozen at the most Star Wars podcasts, which says something. Um, <laughs> but I decided to do a Star Trek podcast and inspired by everything that I've heard. And one of the things that I listen to regularly is Kevin Pollack's chat show. He's an actor, comedian, writer, director, who's noted for being a... Uh, uh, well, he's an impressionist, and he's been doing William Shatner as act for 40 years. But um, listening to his chat show, and he sits down and he talks with people and he just, you know, interviews them in a conversational way. And he's fascinated by the journey of what, how a person goes from the relative obscurity of their life to the relative professional that they've become and the steps along the journey that took them there. And so I said, that's what I want to do. I want to talk to people and find out how they got into a position to be creating Star Trek. And so that's what I that's what I do, and that's what I've been doing. And Pollock, with his uh, program, throws in a few uh, games and questions and stuff just for amusement. And so I decided I will do that as well. So that's that's what I do with this show. I hope to expand it to include other nerdish stuff. I invited on the program uh, Claudia Christian from mm -hmm. Babylon 5, and she politely turned me down. Which is nice in its way, especially since most people I've asked have not responded at all. I hope to start landing like big name guests. I mean, so far I've had some writers on, and I've had Doug Drexler, who's a pretty big name, yeah. uh, Oscar and Emmy Award winner, uh, special effects and uh, graphic design. And I've had on Nuri Nemechek, Dr. Shrek, who's well known in Star Trek fan communities. Yeah. But I haven't had any of the actors from the shows on, though I'm going to remedy that. Uh, there are two actors that I met this last year at conventions who have said that they would do the show. I just need to get back in touch with them and, and set up the actual interview. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm hoping we can do whenever your schedule allows in the next month. And like I, said, mm -hmm. I started this as a weekly thing, started to run out of guests, decided I should just make it a monthly. If we can do every two weeks, great. If we can do every week, great. If we can do once a month, that's great. Yeah, but I feel free to announce to the everyone listening, the audience, that yeah. next time I do an episode of this show, I will have on as a guest from the Next Generation and other uh, Star Trek uh, productions, regularly uh, recurring background character actress Tracy Lee Coco, who was Lieutenant J on the Enterprise D and E. Okay. So that's something to look forward to. What else? Oh. We have, uh, the, it's October now. It's nearly the end of October. I screwed up. I should have thought of um, doing themed episodes beforehand. I have a friend here in town who's a local scream queen who writes horror uh, uh, stories. And I should have had her on so we could talk about um, horror in Star Trek. Yeah. But I didn't get to it. So she said she'd do it next year. Yeah. Otherwise... I, I do want to acknowledge holidays. So let's yeah. talk a bit about that right now. 
Um, I'm not going to ask what holidays you celebrate and what you don't, because that's irrelevant. Right. My thought is that the listening audience at large, the majority tends to celebrate what's considered traditional. Right. But uh, I will say that for me, the month of October, no, November, the month of November, Mm -hmm. because for those that don't uh, recall, late November 1977, just right around my 10th birthday, ABC Television aired for the first time ever a feature-length animated film adaptation based on J.A.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. Right. My, hmm. I was hooked. And they aired it again the next year. And then the year after that, at theaters, there was an animated feature-length film based on The Lord of the Rings. And I saw that. And I was hooked. And then the next year on television, there was an animated uh, Return of the King. And I was hooked. And so every year, pretty much after that, for my birthday, I have gone back and um, revisited Middle Earth, The Hobbits, through The Hobbit to The Lord of the Rings, either rewatching the movies or reading the books. And then the Peter Jackson live action films came out again at the same time, late November. So that's my tradition. And for me, November is Hobbits. And I would like to do an episode talking about Hobbits and Lord of the Rings and everything. And I know uh, people into the fandom who would be interesting to have on. But as far as Star Trek goes, the only connection I can think of off the top of my head, besides Carl Urban and um, playing Eowyn in um, uh, the uh, Jackson films, is uh, Leonard Nimoy's uh, Ballad of Bilbo Baggins. I've seen this, yes. So what do you think? Should I try to do a uh, Lord of the Rings-centric episode? or? Uh... I think that would be nice. Speaking of holidays, uh, you've on, on Star Trek Online, which is a game you and I both play. I play on the PS4, you play on the PC. But in December, you've got Q's Winter Wonderland, and I think that would be something fun for us to do, is to kind of prep listeners who may play Star Trek Online Q's Winter Wonderland, and it might even bring some new people in because that is tons of fun. Um, for those who haven't played it, uh, it is a free-to-play game, just FYI. But one of the fun, more fun events that happens each year is the um, is the uh, Q's Winter Wonderland. And this year, the grand prize, which everyone can obtain, is going to be a Klingon vessel uh, made by the Fakiri, and we can discuss the Fakiri in that episode too, and give listeners kind of a background on the Fakiri themselves, or the Fakiri. I'm not sure the correct pronunciation. That might be something we want to research. So yeah, holiday episodes would be fun to do. Um, we can discuss the Hobbit next month, and I will try to do a little bit of research into that. Um, but you know. Again, that's one of the major holidays. I, I guess you could arguably say it's a it's a Star Trek holiday, unofficial official Star Trek holiday as such, um, even though a, a select niche market only participates in it. But it would be fun to do and fun for us to look into. What do you think? Well, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about, um, because um, I know there are several nerdish type holidays that occur throughout the year. Mm-hmm. which we could do spotlights on every month, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, um, 
Well, I was thinking, uh, yes, December coming up and, and Christmas and all the others that are found therein. And I've got a list of episode topics that we could talk about, such mm-hmm. as the history of Star Trek toys. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's an episode, it's on Netflix, it's called The Toys Were That Made Us, they have a Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the guys on there, I think I could get them on as a guest. I know I could get uh, a guy from Hallmark Cards to talk about the annual Star Trek ornaments and the history right. of that. We could do an episode spotlighting that. William Shatner has his own Christmas album coming out. Ah, uh, yes, I remember you mentioning that. I think we're going to have to spotlight that, chat about it a bit. Yeah. And I could get, I could probably get on the program one of the guys involved with the Klingon Christmas Carol. Yeah. And just the question is, do we want to try to do all of these things, you know, like once a week, or do we want to try to just do one or put them all into one episode or save something for next year? That is... I'll let you decide on that. You can take the reins for that. Um, like I said, I, 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 I do want to touch up briefly on the Q's Winter Wonderland. Yeah, 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 that would be and, part of it. Yeah, and I, I, I am willing to help out people, especially people on the PS4 with Star Trek Online, and teach them how to play. As a matter of fact, I'm teaching you how to play and learn different things and different tricks and stuff. Let's see what else. So, yeah, the toys. I grew up playing with the toys myself, so I, I'll have a few things to say about that yeah. and and stuff like that. Oh, I was going to mention, while we're talking about holidays, the for me, I've always struggled finding Halloween-themed episodes. And that being said, I think there are a few Halloween-themed episodes um, that we can mention briefly right now, and maybe next year we can delve into more detail. Uh, the first one that comes to mind actually comes from Star Trek Enterprise. It's called Impulse, and it features uh, zombie Vulcans, in my opinion. And I think that's something good the viewers could watch if they want to get into the Halloween spirit Star Trek style. The Haunting of Deck 12 is from Voyager, and that's the one that pops out into my mind. Next Generation didn't have a lot of scary episodes, but I think the default with them would be Anything with the Borg in it would be arguably considered uh, Halloween-type episodes. And unfortunately, I haven't seen much of the original series. I tried to watch it, and then I got distracted with other things. I have watched the animated episodes from beginning to end, and they are quite engaging in my opinion. For viewers who uh, are you know, looking for... Something interesting to watch. The animated series is a great resource and should not be overlooked. But those are the few episodes that pop out in my mind that are centered around Halloween-themed type situations. So people can look into that. As far as Deep Space Nine, I haven't, I, I can't remember right now. I know there's probably at least one or two. And we can discuss that perhaps next year uh, for our Halloween-themed episode. Uh, episode we'll discuss halloween in the star trek universe i think that would be something fun to do um well yeah how it's not represented versus how it's subtly represented it yeah yeah Yeah, and of course on the original series for those uh younger uh in the crowd they did the first halloween episode of star trek uh cat's paw which is specifically as a halloween episode nice um and you didn't mention the uh uh, one mission in um, Star Trek Online 
that was designed to be a haunted uh, Halloween episode, which was uh, What Lies Beneath. You're right. The Spectre storyline is there. They In Star Trek Online, there is a Halloween-themed episode that's coming out here in a couple of days. It's called a... Uh, it's a special one that they run on Friday the 13th, every Friday the 13th, as well as Halloween. It's called Hearts and Minds. I totally forgot about that. Um, and I, I'll talk briefly about that, uh, and we can go into it in more detail next year. For those who don't want to play or have yet to play, it is a their Halloween thing to do. It's not as big as Q's Winter Wonderland. I'm wishing... The online creators would get out there and actually put in a full Halloween-themed event other than just a 72-hour, 48-hour themed episode. But for what we have right now, it's called Hearts and Minds. It's basically about a Vulcan who's gone insane, a Vulcan scientist who's gone insane, and you're supposed to investigate. I won't give away too many details, but you do get a lot of nifty little prizes out of it that aren't completely super powerful or game breaking, but are just interesting to have. And it's nice to have on hand. Uh, you'll get what are called a duty officer and we can actually have a episode where I kind of give a crash course in Star Trek online and different things and stuff. Uh, you'll get a duty officer out of that. You'll get a, uh, Lirpa, which is what Leonard Nimoy used in, uh, the episode, I can't think of the title, but he basically enters the pond far and he fights Captain Kirk, which is the staff with the blade at one end and the bludgeoner at the other end. You'll get a Lirpa that causes psionic damage to your opponent. I'm not sure the details on that, but I can look up what specifically psionic damage does versus standard damage. And uh, you'll also get the zombie dance, which for those of you who don't know what a zombie dance is, it's basically Michael Jackson's thriller, slightly modified. Um, and you get up anywhere in any social setting and you can start doing the thriller. There are a couple of Michael Jackson dance moves in that game, and that's one of them is a uh, thriller. But they call it the zombie walk or the zombie dance, and that's kind of fun to do. Okay, yeah, you're referencing the uh, episode, the you know, Muck Time, in which Spock uh, goes a little insane because of the bloodlust of the Ponfar. Right, right. Yeah, so I'm yeah, sorry I... to tease everybody listening, talking about what we're going to do next year. Um, right. But, yeah, we'll get back to it. Um, like I say, my friend Sherry Dean is the captain of the local, one of the local Klingon uh, fan clubs. And uh, she also does write horror stories, so she'd be perfect to have on as a guest for that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like I say, um, maybe for New Year's we can have a discussion of holidays, of Star Trek holidays, um, as well as other nerdish holidays and um, events that will be coming up for next year, uh, conventions mm -hmm. and such, because I am working um, pro bono for a friend who sells swords and uh, knickknacks at uh, conventions. And so I've been tasked with finding various uh, conventions around the Midwest that he can take, that he can go to and take his wares and sell them. And so I know a lot of conventions that are coming up uh, around the, the area. And I just want to mention real quick, um, before we get too far, that... Yes, this is uh, Kevin and I are both from Kansas City or in the Kansas City area, 
And so, yes, this is a Kansas City-centric um, Star Trek podcast, but I cannot say that it is the Kansas City-centric Star Trek podcast because I think that distinction should go to Red Shirts and Runabouts, part of the Heroes Network, which started before we did. And I know the guys that run that show, and they're pretty nice, even though they haven't had me on as a guest yet. <clears throat> um, and maybe I'll have them on as guests at some point to help push their podcast as well. But in the meantime, we just need to work out, Kevin and I need to work out our schedules and when we can get to finishing all this stuff off. If we want to keep it at monthly or try to do it again weekly or, or bi-weekly. I, I, if I could chime in right now, I would vote for a bi-weekly thing uh, at the most. A monthly thing would be well within uh, my limits of what I'm willing to do. A bi-weekly thing is not out of the question, but we can do that if you'd like. And that that that's entirely up to you, uh, as well as our schedules, technically, because our schedules take priority and stuff. But I just thought I would throw that out there while we were discussing it, and it was fresh in my head that a monthly to a biweekly thing is perfectly fine for me. Okay, so for those who uh, listen and tune in regularly, expect that in November we will have an interview with Tracy Lee Coco, Lieutenant J from Star Trek. And we will also do an episode where we talk about J.R. Tolkien and Middle Earth and um, Star Trek connections, as well as um, the Bajoran uh, Gratitude Festival, Peldor yes. Festival that occurs around Thanksgiving time, if Ooh. not the Wookiee Life Day from Star Wars, which, whereas in the States, the uh, Star Wars Holiday Special was aired at Thanksgiving, 1978, for the rest of the world, it was aired uh, at Christmas time. So I'm not sure if we can consider that more of a Christmas holiday or Thanksgiving thing. But at, at some point then in uh, December, I will try to have on a guy from Hallmark Cards. I don't want to mention names yet in case it doesn't pull through. And like I say, I was at a convention a couple of years ago, a costuming convention, and the guy in charge, no names, <clears throat> made a big announcement at the end that next year we will have as a guest Michael Dorn. And then it didn't happen. Yeah. So I don't want to say this is definitely what's going to happen. This is definitely what's coming up until I have for sure notification that yes, this is going to occur. Yeah. Um, I've spoken with a number of people who said, yes, they would do it and then have backed out. And some who said, well, I'll get back to you later as to when, one guy in particular, oh, goodness, used to write Star Trek comic books in the 80s and 90s for DC. And he said he would do it. And then he said, well, right now his head's not in a good space because he's having some issues, having a bit of a row behind the scenes with DC and mm. what they're doing with some of his other characters. And so he's in a foul mood and probably wouldn't make us a good guest just yet. So hopefully he, I will be able to convince him to come on at some point next year. Uh, David Gerald had said he would do it. I just need to get back to him, so hopefully next year. Will McDonough from Star Trek uh, First Contact said he would do it. I just have to get back to him. But beyond that, without people who have said, yes, I'll definitely do it, I don't want to mention names, um, let alone when you can expect to hear from them. Right. But, so, in December, let's try for two episodes again. One where we will talk about Star Trek toys, toys and Ornaments. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then an episode where we talk about a Klingon Christmas Carol. 
and look forward to the new year and holidays that will be coming up. Mm-hmm. Does that sound like a good plan? That sounds like a great plan. Yeah, so we can definitely do that. I would like to delve a little bit into Q's Winter Wonderland a couple of weeks before it comes out. Okay. Um, which usually happens in the middle of December, roughly middle to the end of December. Uh, last year, I think it was around the 15th of December, and it goes through to the middle of January, roughly. I, they haven't given us an official date yet, and they won't probably up until December the 1st at the earliest. But yeah, we can talk about the toys and everything and what it meant to us as kids having the toys and their history uh, throughout the Star Trek universe. And I think it would be interesting for us to do is to explore Star Trek's representations in other fandoms, not in a specific episode, but throughout, which I think is probably what you were referring to with Leonard Nimoy's The Hobbit and how Star Trek has influenced other fandoms as well, and even the Doctor Who fandom um, has influenced Star Trek itself and vice versa, I imagine. So I think that would be an interesting concept for us as we go along to discuss how Star Trek has influenced other fandoms as well as other fandoms influencing Star Trek. I know for one, uh, Star Trek has influenced Buffy the Vampire Slayer in a almost direct fashion, there was an episode called The Wish in which uh, one of the characters, the main characters, wishes herself into their version of the Mirror Universe. Uh, it wasn't a Terran Empire. What had happened uh, briefly was one of the major villains had taken over Sunnydale and was running it. So I would uh, I think that would be something fun for us to do is to explore Star Trek's influence in other fandoms as well. And that would allow you to bring in other guests outside of the Star Trek universe and would keep in line with our Star Trek theme. I think that would be something interesting for us to do. What do you think about that? Yeah. If we could get the guests to agree to do it. Um, right. Yes, we can definitely do that sometime next year. Okay. Goodness. I don't know anyone connected to Buffy that I could contact and who will say, yes, let's do it. But I, can, since I was just using yeah. that as an example. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, I mentioned I had this podcast and I had mm -hmm. people step up and say, oh, hey, I know someone that was in Star Trek. Maybe I could get them. Maybe you should ask, go ask them. And I'm like, yeah. well, why don't you ask me for ask them for me? Because, you know, them yeah. <laughs> doesn't happen. Yeah. So I said, yeah. I mean, if Hannah Wheaton's ex-cousin-in-law, Will, would agree to do the show, I'd be overjoyed. Yes. I can send him something on Twitter and say, would you please? Mm -hmm. But until he responds, I don't have him on the show. Right. And whereas I had on Chris Hunter, the son of Jeffrey yeah. Hunter, and we chatted because he has done the um, a fan film with uh, Vance Major. Um, I wouldn't want this to just be, you know, the relatives of the stars. Mm -hmm. Because I, the... I, I know relatives of the stars. I know Gene Roddenberry's second cousin's ex-wife. Right. Uh, <laughs> which, I mean, you know, chatting right. with her wouldn't be, you know, the same as chatting with somebody who's actually done Star Trek. Right. Well, um, yeah, sometimes it's just a branch that you have to come across in order to, you know, 
get to that sort of thing. And maybe once the family members start doing it, then the, you know, the actors or actresses themselves would be more amiable to it because they'll they'll say, oh, well, you know, Steve, he Steve and Kevin both did an excellent job. I really think and I speak from personal experience myself, that, that would be a great thing for you to do. And it would you know, it would help you out as well as them out to be on that. So, you know, um, you, you know, that could be a bridge that you could cross and it would help bridge the gap between you and the, you know, the, the main celebrity um, and stuff like that. Plus it would give viewers an insight and a different perspective or I'm sorry, not viewers, listeners insight and a different perspective into Star Trek from their perspective and how their lives have been different. Cause I, for one, am as weird as this may sound, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one, want to know how being one of the background family members has changed their lives, or not background family members, but one of the family members in their life has been, you know, tied to, oh gosh, I can't even speak right now, I'm so tongue-tied at the moment, how their lives have changed because their family member has been in a pivotal role or a major role or a major position such as Star Trek. And that might be something we would want to explore ourselves. You okay. Know? Okay. I'll talk to Amy. She'd yeah. probably do it. Yeah. And say, you know, it, it would set up two things. One, it would give people into insights into how others who aren't directly on the show, but have been, who are living vicariously through their celebrity sister, cousin, what have you, and it would give people a different aspect and something new and different, like how have their lives have changed, you know, because that their, you know, brother, sister, cousin, what have you is in Star Trek. Have their lives changed? Have they not? Um, how do they function in a day to day fashion? I would love to hear something about along those lines and, and stuff like that. I think that would be kind of fascinating to do. And at the same time, it would help bridge you to the celebrity that you would like to come on because they'll say, oh, yeah, I went to it. It was a lot of fun. I had a great time. And I think it's something fun for you to do. And then it might open up a few doors if you did that um, personally. So, you know, two. OK. OK, just two more things I wanted to mention. And then I know you have to go. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm expecting somebody to drop by here soon. But uh, I wanted to mention, number one, uh, I wanted to tell people what they can look forward to listening to the show in the next year. Um, like I say, I don't necessarily expect to have any too many actors popping up anytime soon. No, I was going to say, um, I don't expect to have any too many big-time like actors anytime soon on the mm -hmm. program. But I do know people in the publishing world, and I could probably mm -hmm. get some writers, uh, some more writers on of you know the novels as well as reference source materials as well as editors of uh, writer uh, the things i'm gonna try to get some comic book artists on um i know a comic book artist who is local actually lives down the road from me who did mm -hmm. one cover for a star trek book uh, mm -hmm. and i've asked him and he's uh being kind of shy about it and he says but i've only done the one cover i'm like yeah but you're somebody i know who's done something star trek mm-hmm I'll keep asking him. And okay. I, I'm going to have on, a, I do plan to have on a couple people that I know that friended me through Facebook, sent me. And, you know, you get a friend request from someone and you think, oh, it's just another nerd fanboy like me. No big deal. But this one guy, Chris, 
sent me a fr so we've been friends for over a year now. He's from Ireland, lives in Canada, that's by the point. And he said, when are you mm -hmm. going to have me on your show? I'm like, well, who are you, dude? He yeah. Goes, well, I do stuff with comic books. I'm like, well, have you done Star Trek? He's like, no, I haven't. But I'm like, well, I'll think about it. And then I go on Twitter and I see a, a post from Brent Spiner who says, oh, my God, I met Chris. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. I'm like, what? 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 Right. So I'll have him on. And... I think that yeah. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I think that would be a lot of fun. I like I said, I I think we could even play into the theme of how Star Trek has kind of influenced other aspects of fandoms and other you know, and geekdom in general and nerddom in general. Yeah. And I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, my friend Alex, who's written comic books, and I saw that he had done an interview last summer with Star Trek. Uh, novelist um, and science fiction guru um, Alan Dean Foster. He gave mm -hmm. me Alan Dean's um, email address. I sent him a request. Haven't heard back, but I could talk to Alex and uh, find some sort of something to chat about. Mm -hmm. That might be of interest to fans. Anyway, let's go ahead and wrap this up a bit because um, okay. you've got to get out of here and I should go get my laundry in order. Um, yep. So I won't um, bore you with the um, quiz that I always ask my guests. Um, we can get to that next time. Okay. But uh, So for now, uh, I'm Steve Atwell, and this is Kevin. Uh, I do at Dr. Guy KS on most gaming, all gaming platforms, actually. And can I go ahead and plug my uh, Twitch channel while we're at it? I do streaming of games, and if you don't mind, would that be okay? Of course. Uh, so I run a streaming channel called, which is found on Twitch, which is the premier and premium, when I say premium, I mean it's the big to-do for uh, video games. Um, I, I run the at Dr. Guy S, Dr. Guy KS channel, that's D-R-G-U-Y-K-S, and I like to showcase different games. My uh, goal for that is to have people interact with me on it and eventually get a large enough fan base so it can we can all play. Uh, it's My goal is to – I'm trying to think how I say this. I try it before you buy it, which is where I try a game out before somebody else goes out and buy it. But at the same time, one of my goals is – or my top goal is is to get enough people – who will donate a dollar here, two dollars there, and we all get together and watch this game as I play it, and I give feedback and stuff, and they give feedback and stuff, and then ultimately they decide on whether they want to buy that game full on, as opposed to going to GameStop or to their uh, gaming source and purchasing said game and downloading it and paying $60 only to find out, oh, wow, this is a horrible game. So that's one of my goals for my gaming channel. Right now, I'm still in my infancy stages, so I haven't been able to do that a lot. But if somebody wants to start following me and regular following me, I am just thrilled and excited to have somebody comment as I'm playing whatever I'm playing. I do do some Star Trek Online stuff, and that was actually what sparked the I Try It Before You Buy It mentality is I would showcase different starships, uh, the premium starships, before somebody bought said starship, spent their money on it to find out that they didn't like it. And 
I, I encourage people to follow me on Twitch. You can follow me on Twitter as DrGuyKS. If you want to follow something that isn't gaming-related that I do, I do Citizen of GLFRY on Twitter, and that's just fandom in general and my life in general on there. So I've got that going on. And uh, But DrGuyKS, once again, is my gamer tag. Twitch, Twitter, YouTube... Uh, PSN, Xbox, and Nintendo Network all have the same gamer tag so people can find me. I'm also on Discord with that name as well as in uh, Reddit, which is forums, which I'm more than willing to teach you. We could actually make that a podcast at one point, and I can teach you how to go through that because there are some Star Trek-related forums out there on Reddit and we can teach the users how to use that sort of thing if they've never done that before. Okay. We'll get to that. Okay. Again. No, I'm throwing that out there. All Sorry. Right. Okay. So thank you again, Kevin, for doing this and You're being welcome. my new podcast co-host that we can look forward to. I also want to say thanks to the inimitable Adam Mullen, who composed the theme song and who helped me figure out how to put a podcast together. Adam co-hosts, along with Bill Allen, a podcast called The Final Frontier, which focuses on fan productions, films, and otherwise. That's available on the Trexphere Network. And uh, otherwise, the Omega Directive is available on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, please uh, subscribe, give a positive rating, leave a positive review. It's also available at podcasts.com. And if you'd like to contact me with any questions, comments, or concerns, the Omega Directive is available on Facebook. As, and I'm available on Twitter as at underscore, uh, at, as well underscore Steve. Otherwise, thanks for tuning in, and don't take any wooden quatloos. Thanks, Kevin. Bye-bye. Bye.